0: a bible and uh, it's the pew bible it's 272 1 samuel chapter 6. let's just bow our heads a moment father we thank you again for your word and as ever we ask for help to understand it to proclaim it to apply it to our hearts and lives for jesus sake amen now for those who weren't here last month when i was doing we're going through i'm going through one samuel um i don't really want to go through everything that we said last time Uh, i started off by making two statements and the first was that god doesn't need us to fulfill his purposes very very important god doesn't need us to fulfill his purposes. But I quickly added to that, But God sometimes ch- p- is pleased, chooses, to use us to fulfill his purposes. So you've got this balance. It's, it's, a, it's not a contradiction, it's a complementary in the sense that we have this emphasis on God and his sovereignty and then us and our responsibility. And we did mostly last time with god who doesn't actually need us to do what he wants to do uh, that'll still be the emphasis mainly this morning if you were able to come tonight you'd see that there'll be an emphasis on the other side of that God is pleased to use us if you can't come tonight well perhaps you might listen online line or look at uh, listen to it later on so background is that the F- Israel and the Philistines have been in battle and uh, the israelites are losing uh, because they've neglected god they've forsaken his law and and so on and god has given them over uh, to the philistines and they have this they think a wonderful idea let's get the ark of, of the covenant and take it into battle and then god will bless us because the ark of the covenant is there it was a superstition absolute superstition their you know, faith wasn't in the God, in Yahweh, the God of the covenant. They were, they were putting their faith in a little box, a special box, but nevertheless a little box. And God said, right, I'm not there. Right? That is my Ark of the Covenant, but I'm not tied to a box. And God gave them over to the Philistines. And not only did they defeat them, but they captured the Ark and took it way back um, to, uh, to the land of the Philistines. And then we have an amazing account in chapter um, 5 of what God does. All right? I won't go through it, but I love it. I won't go through it again, but I love it. The ark is taken uh, to the temple of Dagon, and there it is uh, before this great statue of Dagon, and this little, uh, little box, this little chest there, the ark is there. And then, you know, the next day they come, and, ha- and D- Dagon's head is fallen off. Plop! All right, so they put it back on I mean, don't happen. and we know what happened the next day his head's gone his arms gone his trunk gone. all right and uh, oh god doesn't need you god doesn't need me he will fulfill his purposes he is the almighty and so they're in a bit of a state um here's this little box and here's deacon flatnesses and and the amazing thing is i just keep smiling when i think of this all right and um, he's a great god who's deacon that's what they say but he can't get up off the floor. All right? I know the feeling. right he, he, he can't get up off the floor. All right? So they have to kind of put him back together. And then they have to fix him with a bit of super glue or something, right? I mean, what kind of God is that? What kind of God is that? He can't look after himself. He can't put himself back together. Who would want to pray to that God? Anyway, so God deals with that situation. He deals with Dagon. But he's not finished with the Philistines. So then he brings various plagues on them and uh, they realize there's something to do with this ark so they move it from city to city there are five cities in that little strip what we call now gaza strip there are five cities there and they take them to one and these plagues come upon them and they move it along to the next one and next one, and so all these cities have been plagued um we've got in our av emeralds and and uh, And uh, there's mention of mice, some things might be like rats or blue planet plague whatever it was. It was a nasty business and they were were being destroyed. God is angry with these Philistines. God has been offended by them. They are robbing him of his honor and glory. So that's the situation, all right. and if interesting verse 12 of chapter 5 says and the men that died not were smitten with emeralds and the cry of the city went up to heaven so what do they do well the ark's there for seven months and the philistines call the priests and diviners saying what shall we do to the ark of yahweh right i'm using the hebrew exact hebrew yahweh um for l-o-r-d in capitals what should we do? Because it's all about Yahweh and Dagon. Is he going to see that? What should we do with this Ark of Yahweh? How should we send it away? We want to get rid of it. Now, interestingly, these priests and diviners—remember, be bear in mind—they're pagans, right? They worship these pagan gods, and, and there's on this Dagon, there's various other ones as well. But they're pagans. They have the sense to see, right? That you can 't just send it away because this God of Israel right you can 't send it away empty, you have offended him, you've committed a trespass against him, therefore you have to make amends, you have to make a sacrifice to him now this sacrificing offending gods was of course part of the culture anyway, but now they realize that this that has happened to them is because of yahweh they 've offended god yahweh this great god and so you must sort it out you must offer a trespass offering that you may be healed and it be known to you why his hand is removed from you well it's okay what what, what kind of what kind of offering a trespass offering well and he suggests five golden emeralds and golden mice and according to the numbers and so on interesting isn't it you need an offering but it's got to be a special offering and it's got to be a golden offering and the things that have caused the problems let's make a gold offering and make a gold of these things and then present them to yahweh and perhaps then he he'll have mercy and kind of forgive us now this is pagan thinking but strangely strangely it's not totally unbiblical in the sense of you remember where uh, in the days of Moses and the people complain, and he sent serpents upon them. And do you remember the solution? The solution was to make a serpent of brass. That which caused the problem, the serpent or fiery snakes or whatever, would make this um, brass uh, serpent, put it on a pole. And when the people look and see the brass... A serpent up there and obviously they're looking by faith this is god's provision then they will be healed so it's akin to that and interestingly into the new testament uh, the lord jesus uses that same uh, example of his being lifted up uh, for uh, the salvation of his people that's in 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 john 3. okay so that's what they do all right Uh, wherefore shall take images of your emeralds and all i said um At motherland, and listen to this, verse five, and he shall give glory unto the God of Israel. Now, if you've been following through, this glory aspect has been so important in the story. We discovered that the Hebrew word for glory uh, is is the same as heavy or heaviness. And you think, how can you describe God as being heavy? Well. Really, we use it in english, don't we? We talk about somebody who is a heavyweight, not as a boxing sense or because they're physical frame, but because they're deep thinkers right uh, He's a heavyweight. she is a heavyweight oh don't bother with him because he's lightweight, his arguments his discussions they're very lightweight, but somebody who is heavy is in the sense of uh, a depth to them, if you like, and this God of glory has a heaviness about him in the sense of the glory and honor and power and so on and when uh, the 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 ark is captured you remember uh, the cry the glory of the lord has departed ichabod right kabod is the hebrew for heaviness the glory of god has departed into the new testament Famous verse, Romans 3, 23. For all have come short, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's the same word. In other words, we've made light of God and his word and his law. We have made light of it. Some people make fun of it. And God has taken notice of that. And people have come short of his standard. And then we see the same word where we're told that god's hand was heavy upon them see the thought going through here here god's hand is heavy upon them he, he it's a weightiness of his his wrath and his anger dealing with these people his hand is heavy upon them and so these diviners they say well let's do this all right so that we will give glory to the God of Israel. Peradventure, he will lighten his hand. see, it's going through you. He's take his heavy hand off you. He'll lighten his hand from off you and from your gods and from your lands. Now, verse 6 again, remember this is coming from the pagans. I sometimes think that the children of the world, the people outside, unbelievers, have got more sense than we have. They've got more sense than the people who are inside the church, inside, uh, and who claim to be believers. Sometimes they've got more sense, more common sense, as we say. It's common grace. And the Lord will talk about, about the children of men are sometimes in their day wiser than the children of light. They see things. And here are these pagan priests, and they see things. And they say, do you remember... Egypt. Now here are pagan people talking about Egypt and Pharaoh. What are they talking about? They're talking about the Exodus. They're talking about what Yahweh did to Pharaoh, what Yahweh did to the Egyptians, what Yahweh did for his people when he brought them out of captivity and through across the Red Sea and on towards the promised land. That's what God did and everybody knew about it if again you're familiar with your Bibles and you remember uh Joshua and the spies being sent out and they stay the night at um, a prostitute's house all right uh, uh, some house she had in the wall presumably and for whatever reason probably because men were coming and going and uh, it was a safe place to be whatever I don't know if you remember what she said all right. Um, if I could find it quickly, I'd quote it exactly to you. But basically, it's what she says is this. We have heard of your God. We have heard what he did to the Pharaoh and to the Egyptians. We know about your God. He's a great God. And we're in fear of him. Now, so they, it was known what happened there and these priests and the Philistines we know what they what Yahweh did to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians we know all that we know how this God Yahweh opened up the Red Sea we know how he brought His people across we know what happens when when the 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 Pharaoh and the soldiers and the horses and chariots seek to go through the same way and the water comes back and I love the story and if I've said it before um, well i'd ask for forgiveness i'm just going to tell you again i love the story about the uh, man who was rejoicing at uh, in the cross of the red sea and uh, somebody said oh you, you don't believe that's true do you well yes in the bible well it, it was very low level right very much water they you know perhaps an inch or two and so it was quite easy to cross it Strangely enough, the Bible says it was a time of flood. Interesting. Anyway, so, there's the, no, there's the Jordan, sorry. So, there's just a couple of inches. Oh, this is a matter. Strange, oh, Okay. I said, well, yeah, this is wonderful. What's the matter now? Well, Pharaoh and his soldiers, they're all drowned in any water. Amazing. Take it as it is. So, don't do what they don't. Not do what they did. Pharaoh saw this and let the people go. You've got to let this ark go. Now there's a theme running through again here. It's the people of God were in captivity. They were captured, all right. And Pharaoh thought, "I've got them. There's nothing you can do about it." God intervenes. Here is this little box, this little ark. It's been captured. There it is. The Israelites have got no way of doing anything about it. God intervenes. And he recaptures, as it were, his ark, and he's going to bring it home. God is in charge. Okay. So, verse 6, Wherefore then do the do ye harden your hearts as Egyptians harden their hearts, whom he wrought wonderfully among them, um, and they did not let the people go, and they departed. Okay. Now then, next stage, how are we going to get this box, this ark back down to Israel well God is going to use two cows two cows, now we're a farming community some of us, we know about these things my friend Jill knows all about cows and dairy and all that kind of thing and calves um, we're going to have two cows but they are not just any old cow you're not cow in their last stages and we, we can get shot of them because they're not what can you do with an old cow you know chop it up and anyway, make a bit of stew or something right we have got these two cows and they're milking cows why is that important well i'll tell you why it's important because these two milking cows have got calves now if you like your annual programs you must like the yorkshire vet all right if you don't know what i'm talking about ask karen because she knows all about these things all right Right. So here's the Yorkshire vet, and they have to go out to the farms, and and they're always having problems with the lambs, poor, poor, poor Dobson, right? They always have problems, but sometimes they have problems with calves. I, I won't go into them. I don't know, this, perhaps about this. But I won't go into all the procedures of what they do, right? Because it's already present, particularly right. now. But they're milking cows. They've got calves. They have a maternal instinct to look after the calf, to for the calf to feed to. Uh, from them obviously that's the system now they take these two milking cows they have this new calf a cart and these two milking cows are going to pull the cart upon which is the ark and a little box with gold stuff in and it's going to go off and we'll see where it goes now and they low as they go low as they go what is the instinct Of milking cows to go straight to the calf they need to go to the calf to relieve them of the milk I don't get too technical but you know what I'm talking about all right they need to go to the calves the calves will relieve them of the milk and so for these cows to go down to Jerusalem this way Will be contrary to nature when they need to go that way. And so these, these priests said, listen, what we'll do, we'll put them in the cart and send them off. We won't give them GPS, they'll have no sat nav, they'll just get on with it. And we'll see what happens. If they go as instinct would have them, to the calves, we know it's nothing to do with Yahweh, it's just chance, bad luck. If they go back down towards, if they go down towards Jerusalem, down towards to Israel, we know this is of God. And you know the answer. You know the answer. God delights in doing that which is impossible. We need to recapture the supernatural of our God. Do you remember? Elijah on Mount Carmel all right we used to do German services when I was in London North London and I must confess I loved telling the story um, to uh, to the kids uh, you can imagine me right jumping up and down and doing all that kind of thing well I'm not gonna do it this morning it's okay so you remember what God said after it had this sacrifice, you're familiar with it, I won't go through it, the, it got the sacrifice and the, uh, the thing was, the God who answers by fire, he's God. Baal, right, is he God? Well, if he can answer by fire, he's the God. If Yahweh is the God, he answers by fire, he's the God. So let's have a competition, let's have, let's have a duel, let's have a challenge and you've got the the uh, the, the prophets of Baal there and they're all jumping up and down and cutting themselves and doing and uh, elijah uh, people, you might not like this phrase but i'm going to just give it to you anyway he was very sarky he was saki right you whatever word you want to use really honestly he was so sarcastic that is spiritual sarcasm which is appropriate but there we are and he seemed you can imagine sitting there stroking his beard Perhaps he's a bit deaf. Younger is urinating. The battery's gone. Shout a bit louder. He might hear you. They shout. He's away on business. Right? He's away on business. He's not available at the moment. And then, if I'm very delicate, he he said, Perhaps he's got to the bathroom. Now, I'm not making this up. it's there. He's having a lovely time. I can't see him. And they're doing all they can. And at the end of it, nothing's happened. And I think there's a phrase, uh, there's no fire and no one heard. Of course there was no one heard because Baal isn't God. He's not God. And then Elijah prays. But before Elijah prays, God says, now, I want you to do something with this. Sacrifice the wood is there, and the, and the I, want you to pu- I want you to pour something on it, right? I want you to pour some petrol or diesel or cooking oil because that'll help with the fire. No, no, no. God said, Right, I want you to pour some water on. Uh, excuse me, Lord. Do you know what I thought you said? I thought you said, Pour some water. We don't want water, we want fire. Elijah, do as you told. See, so he puts some water in it. And more water. It, and more And it's absolutely drenched with water. It's impossible to light a fire when it's full of water. Believe me, I know about fires. And when it's all done, Elijah prays. Oh, what a prayer. You are God, Yahweh, you are the Lord, you're only God. And then down comes the fire of God. Whew. It consumes the sacrifice. It consumes the wood. It consumes the water, and it even consumes the stones upon which the altar is built. That's Yahweh. That's Yahweh. He doesn't need you or me. Okay, so uh, off the the cows go, and uh, they go off, not the calves down, and off they go right towards the border and these lords of the Philistines they're walking behind them I'd love to have seen their faces I don't think they're happy clappy as the cow goes further away from the calves their faces "Mm." and there's only one conclusion their priests have told them this is of Yahweh this is Yahweh's doing they're off to go and down they go and they follow them and they know of a certainty this is Yahweh and so they come to Beth Shemesh and they reap in their wheat interestingly this is because it means that God has had some mercy upon them and so this is sort of a harvest um, but suffice it to say uh, they went there and they saw the ark and rejoiced they saw it and rejoiced and the ark came into a field of Joshua and uh, we stood there and uh, there was a great stone and uh, they chopped the ark up and I didn't say boys no we, we walk look at Wake like, we're walking out for dinner today where we it's just been uh, one of these delivery vans that just turned up here we've got this lovely cows you know let's chop them up and have a few uh, steak and chips and things no no they chopped the cart up they chopped the cows up and they offered us a burnt offering Unto Yahweh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, something strange happens. Right? So I'm going to tell you what happened and then I'm going to try and explain it, but in the end, it's a mystery. Do you remember how the ark is to be transported? If you know your Bible, you will know that God said, now this is so special. You can't just stick it up and put it on a cart. There are going to be loops of gold around the side, that side and that side, and special poles are going to go through it, and the Levites are to bear it. They're to put it on their shoulders, presumably two or three or whatever it is, and they decay it. That's the way the ark is to be transported from, from site to site, as the day in the tabernacle, from site to site, from site to site. That's the way you do it this is something special this is something extraordinary this represents my honor my glory so be careful how you use this now what did the pagans do with the Ark they put it on a cart contrary to the law given to the people of God in Leviticus But nothing happens to them as they do this. Why not? Because they're not the people of God. They're not the people of God. They probably don't know of the special instructions. Now you say to me, "Why, why are you mentioning that? What significance it is? Well, later on in Samuel, perhaps eventually we'll come to it. Later on in Samuel, there's a man... Who uh, the, the David is involved? He's transporting the ark on a cart, contrary to Leviticus, contrary to the law. He's got this ark on a cart, and they're moving it along. And the cart, the ark, begins to slip. And this man puts his hand up to stop it. Bang! The Lord slays him. You don't mess with God. You don't mess with God. So why did it happen here well because they're pagan they don't know any better but God's people do God's people know better you and I should know better and it's an awful thing when the world outside knows better than us or says uh, about us you know you Christians you go to Gordon Road but you, you you're not very nice outside come Monday you're not very nice come Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday Saturday, you're not nice people yeah you can sing all this and all the stuff you sing and do and all these religious things, but you know you're not as good a neighbor as Mrs. Jones who lives next door. If I want help i'll go to her I don't come to you because you're so miserable. what a sad thing that is it's true. So what happens here? Well, we are told that Um, We'll explain all the gold things there, right? Um, And then verse 19 is is strange. And he, Yahweh, smote the men of Beth Shemesh because they had looked, that's the Israelites, because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. Then, this is the AV, then he smote of the people 50,000 and three school, and ten men. That's 50,070. This is very technical. Don't worry about it, but I'm going to tell you you this, because if you go home, and you might have another Bible, and have another version at home, and you read this, you'll see that there's only 70 mentioned. They've lost 50,000, which is a lot to lose. And it's all to do with manuscripts and the Hebrew and, and all that. And scholars have discussed it over the years. And, and um, I just read what I read. I read this and I read Hebrew scholars who say uh, that the 50,000 is probably a um, copyist mistake. It's not talking about the, error, the or the error of Scripture. We're talking about the original, which we haven't got. We haven't got the original manuscript. We haven't got the copy of the original. We've got copies of copies of copies of whatever. Don't worry about it, right? But I'm telling you that in case you come across it, um, most folk would think it's just a empty. But it's still empty. Why has God struck these empty down? Now it, it says they looked in, right? That could be looked on, right? It could be looked on the ark. But surely everybody looked on it. So why are these 70 being struck by God? Well, we don't know. But some would say, and I think this is probably true, it was the attitude that these men had. Some, when they saw it, come in and rejoiced. Others said, oh, I wonder what this is all about. I wonder if they laughed at it. I wonder if they derided it. They treated it very lightly by well they took it a battle well let's take that in and it'll deliver us and that'll be fine and it didn't work and now these men i wonder if they're deriding if they're playing down if they're they're they're, they're not in a sense of an attitude of worship or whatever i don't know but certainly whatever they did god took offense and god took it seriously and he smote them I think one of the biggest problems in today's evangelical church, we take God very lightly. We take God very lightly. There is no fear of the Lord. Now, I'm not talking about the pagans outside. I'm talking about us inside. And it seems to me because there's no fear of God inside, there is no fear of God outside. In fact, is it Romans 3 where, where Paul talks about there's no fear of God before their eyes? There are people that do things and say things out in the world. And this is a dreadful, absolute, almost absence of any, almost respect for God and the things of God and the word of God and the place of God. It's, it's horrendous. People just don't care. Some of you know I spent two years or so in a little market store in Hailsham giving away free literature, Bibles, tracts and things. And I think I ever had ever, ever had one person who disagreed or wanted to challenge me what I said or what I believed. One person. The majority of the others were just not interested. They didn't even have enough interest to disagree with me. They didn't even have enough interest to say, what's this about? Oh, that's a load of rubbish. I don't believe in that. They didn't even... They just couldn't care less. They didn't want to care. They didn't want to know. The interest, the disinterest, the uninterestedness. And I wonder how some of that has infiltrated us in the church because... People see us and they say, "Well, you say you're a Christian, but you don't take it very seriously, do you?" I don't see this being worked out in your life and worked out in what you're doing. Uh, and say back to what they think of us. And I think that's true. I think it's way, and it's evidenced in sometimes in our worship, sometimes in our praying. I think sometimes uh, I, I'm, I'm looking at myself, and not just looking at you. I'm looking at myself. I'm thinking, Colin your praying is not worthy of God it's kind of small little prayers now I'm not saying we shouldn't pray about small little things what I'm saying is that our praying sometimes is very small how does Newton put it thou art coming to a king large petitions with thee bring for his grace and power such none can ever ask too much you sing it do you believe it do you really believe it? Ask big things of God. He's Yahweh. He's the God of the covenant. He's almighty. He can do as he pleases. When he pleases, he's God. And then finally, and we'll close with this, there's a lovely little illustration of the gospel. You say, well, if we come a long way from there, Watch that? Well, verse 20. And the men of Beth Shemesh said, Who is able to stand before this holy Lord God? And whom shall he go up from this? That's a question. That's a big question. I'm going to try and give you a big answer, but that's a big question. Who can stand before this great God, this holy God? this Lord God Almighty, the cherubim who surround the throne, they hide their faces from him, who is so glorious in his holiness, intense in his purity, who burns with a light unapproachable. If the angels can't bear his presence, who are you and who am I? How can you stand before this God? How wonderful thou art. How glorious the art! How can you stand before this God? How can I? The answer is, we cannot of ourselves, in and of ourselves, we cannot stand before him, we cannot bear his the intensity of his holiness and his righteousness. And I have to say, his wrath. Who can bear the wrath of God? There is an answer. Hallelujah, that's an answer. That's a big answer. I tried to think of a little illustration, all right? And this is what I came up with. I, I hope you find it it's helpful. Um, some folk are having treatment and they're having radiotherapy. And some of this treatment is radio, as in, um, radioactive. I have a son-in-law, uh, Dr. Jeff Holder, in Switzerland, and he works for a pharmaceutical company, Novartis, and part of his remit is looking into the effects of radioactivity in dealing with diseases. It's just amazing. Now, some of you may know of this. Some of you may be actually going through it. We have folk who are going through it at the moment. Um, it 's amazing, but there are i would say fallout you be careful what I use there are consequences uh, because this is radioactive, and there 's so many precautions you have to take now I seem to remember uh, and uh, if, if I'm wrong you just tell me right? but I seem to remember back in the days or ordinary x-rays some of the the, the staff the, the nursing stuff whatever they used to wear these aprons I think they were lead Does that sound right they were lead, so that they couldn't be they couldn't penetrate you need a garment through which these things would not penetrate and then you'd be safe and secure now some of you have got there before me we need a garment that will protect us from the wrath of God the fierce anger and horrendous fierce holiness and justice and we can't provide it of ourselves but thank God he does he provides us with this robe of righteousness and it's his sons. His sons, as it were spiritually speaking, this robe of righteousness which he gives to all who come to him and ask him for it. And this robe of righteousness is Christ's righteousness we say, well, that sounds fine, but how can I be sure that the wrath of God won't penetrate that? How can I sure I be covered by that? How can, can I be sure that I'll be saved by having this righteousness, taking this righteousness by faith from Christ? Well, the answer is very simply: because he has endured the wrath of God on our behalf. You see this? He's taken those rays. He's taken that uh, righteousness. He's taken that that punishment the Lord demands. He's taken it it fully to himself, and God didn't spare him any of it. All the wrath that is due to you and to me, all the, the anger of God because of our sin, all of that he took to himself, and he completely, absolutely dealt with it. So in Christ, I'm absolutely safe and secure. I can stand before this holy God in him. And therefore, is now no condemnation to those that are in Christ. I need not fear the judgment of God. I need not fear the anger of God. I need to fear this holiness of God. Because I'm covered head of Christ and that's the gospel that's the gospel praise the Lord let's pray Father we thank you for this story, it's an old story but we believe it's got lessons for us that you are God you don't need us, you can work out very adequately without us and you've done so often we know there's another side which we will think about later but we thank you for this side and we thank you for your provision of the lord jesus christ who is our righteousness he's everything and he and he alone protects us from the wrath of god because he himself has suffered as our substitute and died in our place the just for the unjust that he might bring us to god amen sing a hymn 282 it's on the second coming of the Lord and it's um, about judgment and yet it tells us about a saviour day of judgment day of wonders hark the trumpet's awful sound Loud and a thousand thunders shakes the vast creation round. How the summons, how the summons will the sinner's heart confound? See the judge, our nature wherein clothed in majesty.